Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khani Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Hello there, and welcome back to the Schools of Excellence podcast. We are in the midst of our series on decoding your school culture. So part one was all about understanding the cultural tension decoder, which is our signature framework that I've developed on how to help leaders understand the emotions and behaviors and beliefs inside of their organization to help them decode what's actually going on inside of their organization and how to make good decisions about what they should be focusing on, what skills they should be developing and how to coach their teams. And so we're going to be fully unveiling what this Attention Decoder looks like at the Summit of Excellence, which is our live in-person event, February 28th, March 1st and 2nd in Miami, Florida. If you're interested in being there, we have a couple of spots left. It is only for 45 people, for owners and directors. And if you're interested, there is a link um, in the show notes to check out our Directors Inner Circle and Owners HQ program because this event is for members and their teams only. So last week, we started talking about what drama-free leadership looks like. And I started to explain a little bit about the symptoms of drama inside of an organization. So last week, we spoke about criticizing and complaining as a big symptom of drama inside of your organization. We spoke about gossip, and we also spoke about playing the victim. So if you have not had a chance to listen to the, that episode, definitely go ahead and listen to that. You can listen to it after you listen to this one if you'd like as well. So let's go into the fourth symptom of drama inside of a culture is manipulation. Toxic people are extremely selfish. They do not have qualms whatsoever about manipulating others into doing things that will benefit for them. They're scheming, they're devious, they're cunning, and they are always thinking about themselves and finding ways to gain benefits for themselves, often at the expense and cost of others. 
So Chrissy was a really smart teacher when I introduced you to Chrissy. And uh, the parents loved her and she always did amazing activities with the children inside of her classroom. She was really creative and a lot of the teachers looked up to her. But there was a dark side to Chrissy. She was extremely manipulative. She always got her way. And it started to create a vibe with the teachers. They were afraid of her. They would do anything just to make her happy. And I noticed this because on a few coaching calls that I had with the director, Leah, she kept talking about this one teacher over and over again. It was like as if she was like possessed by this teacher. It was the only thing that she could talk about. And Leah kept speaking about this feeling of unrest that was really going on in her center. And it was taking a toll on Leah's health. So Leah and I started to talk about what would it look like if this teacher, if Chrissy wasn't there. Now, Leah was really anxious about that. She says, she's my superstar. She's my teacher. The parents all love her. She, you know, helped me open the school. Like, I really can't lose her. So one of the processes that I helped Leah work through was our process in schools of excellence of when to know when it's time to fire an employee. This is a question that I get very, very often inside of our directors in our circle and our owner's HQ program. When is enough enough? When do you know if it's time to fire an employee? When is it like, okay, we're done. I've coached. I've done all the skills. Like we're done. So as we started to work through that process, Leah became very emotional and she was crying. And she's like, listen, she's one of my best teachers. The parents love her. I'm short-staffed. I can't lose her. So like I said in the previous episode, I don't tell people what to do, right? I invite them to think about what they already know inside of them. And so I coach them with questions, right? I Like I said in the previous episode, and I say this very often, tips and tricks is the lowest form of advice. The highest form of coaching and advice is questions. So I said to Leah, I said, listen, everything has a cost in life. What will it cost you to keep her? Right right now, you're only thinking about what it will cost you to lose her, right? You're short staff. Now you're going to have to go find a teacher. The parents love her. You're afraid of the backlash, blah, 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 blah. I have a different question for you. What will it cost you to keep her? What will it cost your physical health? What will it cost your marriage? What will it cost your emotional mental well-being? What will it cost your own children, right? You're a mom. You have four young kids. I think she was actually pregnant at the time with her fifth. What will it cost your school culture? I want you to give me a price on each of these things and then decide, is it worth it to keep her? Only you can make that decision. Leah took a week and came back to me. And she told me, what would it cost her health? What would it cost her marriage? What would it cost her well-being? What would it cost her parenting? What would it cost her culture? And I said, okay. Now the question is, is keeping her worth the price that you're going to pay in all of those buckets? Leia let her go. She let Chrissy go. And she grieved for a very long time. She grieved the feeling of being used and abused and taking advantage of. She grieved the shame around feeling like she should have seen it earlier. She grieved the trust that she lost in some of her team. She had a lot of stuff to work through. And myself, my team, and the community was was there for her. We were there for her during that season. 
my team mailed Leah a special self-care package so that she can nurture and take care of herself after this really difficult experience. Nobody talks about this. Nobody talks about the impact that drama, like manipulation from a teacher, has on the director and on the owner. Because when you finally let the manipulator go, when you finally let go of the drama, you also have to navigate all the grief associated with it. Manipulators are master manipulators for a reason. They play with your emotions and your brain. And it's, it's rough. After she finally let her go, one of the teachers actually came over to her and said, thank you. We all feel a little safer now. So that's manipulation. That is a symptom that you have drama inside of your culture. So let's go to the final one. Inconsistent actions and behaviors. Inconsistent action and behaviors is a little bit harder to spot, right? It's a little bit easier to spot gossip or, you know, someone who's always complaining. It's a little bit harder to spot these inconsistencies. And it typically takes a while to actually see like, oh, one second, this person's really inconsistent. Toxic people tend to behave really inconsistently and leave others in their wake of like, what just happened? Right? One day they are super chill and the barista gets them their coffee and then the coffee is wrong, but they're like, ah, it's okay. Don't worry. And the next day they go to Starbucks and the barista gets their order wrong and they blow the top. They have a temper. They become verbally abusive. These extreme behaviors are very scary to witness because the inconsistencies lead to confusion and people around them are like, oh God, is she going to blow her top? Is she not? Is she going to be okay? What's going to happen? Right. These are the people that like in bars, people play bets on, right? Like, oh, I bet you five bucks that they're going to lose their mind if he gives him beer instead of cider. That's what goes on, right? It's their inconsistency. Toxic people behaviors is often influenced by their mood and they have an inability to deal with the issue that caused them to become upset in the first place. Low emotional regulation. Again, episode 99 on the Schools of Excellence podcast, emotional regulation. And so what happens is with these people who are inconsistent, they take out their frustrations on everyone around them. Okay. So let's talk about Danielle. Danielle is an owner of four locations. And she was ready to hire her first regional director or executive director to start to manage some of the day-to-day operations of running four locations. She was really nervous about making this shift. And she started to work through the hiring process and she brought on Melinda as her new regional manager. Now, Danielle is more reserved and quiet and Melinda was came across as very confident and bold and she held her own and she really knew how to command the room. And Danielle was like, great, you know, she's the yin to my yang. And she thought this was this great personality fit for supporting and leading a team of 10 people on the leadership team because there were four directors and four assistant directors and there was a curriculum specialist, there was an HR specialist and there were also office assistants. So it was a huge leadership team. So One of the things that Danielle trained uh, Melinda on was how to run the daily huddle. The daily huddle is one of our core communication systems that we teach inside of our Owners HQ program. And it's a very specific meeting framework for how to get your team leaders on the same page every single week to ensure that projects are moving forward, deadlines are being met, things are moving along. It's called the daily huddle. 
And Melinda was like, oh, this is such a great strategy. Like, let's go for it, right? And Danielle started to observe that there were some inconsistencies, right? Sometimes Melinda would say, all right, everyone make sure you're there at 10 o'clock or whatever it was. And then, you know, she would get really upset if someone was late or not there that time. And then other times she'd be like, oh, it's okay, don't worry. And she would let it go. And then sometimes she would praise and compliment the directors and she would fawn on them and do a lot of people pleasing when she would come into the center. And then other times she would be so hypercritical and she would like degrade the directors and say, what is going on? And why is there so much clutter here? And what's happening over here? And there was just no telling of what would happen next. And so the directors really started to walk on eggshells around her. And, and it was like, oh my gosh. So Melinda realized that no one likes her. And she reverted to basically stay in her office, in her safe space. She basically left to use the bathroom and get coffee. She never went to visit the other location. She never went anywhere. She just kind of hid. And what happens is when there's inconsistent behaviors and emotions is the team never knows what to expect. When you don't know what to expect, you learn to start to live in a place of hypervigilance and anxiety because you never know. Are they going to be on time? Are they not going to be on time? Are they going to blow their top? Are they going to be okay? Is this going to happen or is this going to? I don't know. So you live in a state of hypervigilance. When the team lives in a state of hypervigilance for long enough, it becomes toxic. It is poison. And so at first glance, you could think, what? Inconsistent actions and behaviors? Like, how could that be so toxic? Right? Well, you need to be consistent. Right? You can't have erratic behaviors, right? One day you get fuming upset when someone walks into the meeting late and another time you're just like, hey, it's okay, just sit down quietly, right? No, there has to be consistency with your emotions. Now, I'm not saying that sometimes you're not gonna get frustrated, but the inconsistencies that I'm talking about is the intensity and frequency of the inconsistencies, the intensity of the polarized emotions, yelling versus like, oh, don't worry, it's okay, right? Now. The challenge with the inconsistencies of actions and behaviors is also understanding discernment, right? Discernment is episode 93 on the Schools of Excellence podcast, not 93 or 94, where I talk about discernment as part of the bridge to excellence, one of the meta skills where sometimes you have to discern this day I do this and this day I don't do this. Discernment is very different than inconsistent actions and behaviors. And if you need help understanding that, please go listen to that podcast. Because discernment is not about being inconsistent. Discernment is about understanding in this moment, I need to make a different decision. It is very thought out. It is very intentional. It is very methodical. Inconsistent action behaviors is not discernment. It's, whoo, I'm in the mood today to give everyone a free pass. So I'm going to give everyone a free pass versus, yeah, I'm really feeling cranky and crusty this morning. So no, not giving anyone a free pass. That is not discernment. That is inconsistent actions and behaviors. Discernment is thought out. Okay. That's just on one foot to understand the difference between the two, but definitely go check out that episode. So Danielle is really struggling with this, with Melinda and the inconsistencies and what it's causing to all of her centers. So what makes a drama-free person? Okay, what are the characteristics of somebody who is drama-free? Because that's what we want in our culture, right? That's what we're looking for in our organization. Number one, they are competent in their job. They actually know how to do their job. 
Okay. That is one component of drama-free leadership. Another component, adaptability. They're able to adapt to what is being thrown at them. So if four teachers walk in late, they're able to adapt and figure out how to respond in that moment. Flexibility. They're flexible with their thinking and they're flexible with their schedule. So flexibility is not just what's being thrown at them. They're like, oh, okay, I can make shifts to my schedule. Flexibility is in their thinking where when they learn new information, they're ready to change their mind. One of the biggest holdups in our directors in our circle and our owners HQ program, one of the biggest reasons why people don't join the program or people struggle to have success is their inflexibility of thinking. They are very stubborn in the way that they think. This is the way it has to be done, right? And they are blocking new information. So even when they hear new information, like, no, that's wrong. That would never work for me. That doesn't work. My center is smaller. My center is bigger. My center is faith-based. My center is like this. My center is not doing expansion. I only have this type of teacher. I don't have, you know, this kind of thing. They are constantly looking for excuses of why that idea doesn't work for them. It is inflexible thinking. Your heart is a rock. You cannot even bend to see that there is a different approach to how something could be done. It's inflexible. That's drama. Okay. Drama free is flexibility. Another component of drama free, content, just happy with themselves, right? Happy with who they are, happy with themselves, not in the pursuit of like, I need more of this and I need more of this and I need more of this, right? In the constant pursuit of more, 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 more. They're content, they're happy. Maturity. Now, maturity is huge. Right? So many components to look at maturity, but maturity is they know who they are, right? They're mature about the way that they respond to things. My son is in seventh grade and um, he has a phenomenal teacher this year. I'm so grateful. And one of the things that his teacher was coaching, the he, the teacher, one of the things that makes this teacher amazing, right? I just realized I said this teacher is phenomenal. Let me tell you why he's phenomenal. One of the things that I find that make a great teacher is they have a holistic approach to education. And the this teacher coaches a lot on interpersonal behaviors between the boys. So Mendel is in a only boys school. He goes to LEC, which is the Lubavitch Educational Center in Miami. Amazing school. And his teacher does a lot of coaching and training with the boys on how to interact with each other. And one of the things that he was talking about was understanding how to let things go. So he was talking to the boys how he's like, in seventh grade, it's time to just learn how to let go when someone touches your desk or if someone accidentally touches you, let it go. You don't need to come tell the teacher that someone touched your desk or that someone touched you or that someone looked at you. So Mendel came home and he was like laughing about it. He's like, you know, some kids in the class, they're really immature. They still come to the teacher about these kinds of stuff. So you're listening to like seventh grade. What? Those kids are like turning 13. Like that's what we do in like first and second grade, right? We go, teacher, Amy, touch my desk. Well, don't do that in seventh grade, right? It's, it's immature. Okay. But the thing about maturity is that it is an internal game, right? Like we have to learn how to constantly develop the next level of maturity, okay? So when you're 20, it's okay to do certain things and people give you a pass, right? Or like, how often laugh with my husband, with Mayor, how sometimes we'll be around my sister when she was newly married and, and Mayor would be like, 
give them a pass. They're newly married, right? Like newlyweds act immature. They're newlyweds. And especially if the newlyweds are in their early 20s, they're really immature. But when you're in your 30s, it's not appropriate to act that way. It's not appropriate to show up that way, right? It's immature. You're in your 30s. It's immature. So maturity is a component of drama-free leadership. Non-judgmental, okay? When someone is drama-free, they're non-judgmental. How do you become a non-judgmental person? You learn how to be less critical of yourself, right? In the previous episode, I spoke about how one of the components of drama is criticizing and complaining. Well, one of the components of being drama-free is being non-judgmental, not complaining. The way you become a person who is non-judgmental is you learn how to stop judging yourself. People who are judgmental of other people are extremely critical of themselves. Extremely. And I know this to be true because this was a big part of my personal journey. Like as I became less judgmental of myself, as I gave myself more grace, as I forgave myself more, as I learned to be more compassionate to me, I stopped being judgmental of other people. I gave people more grace. I was just so much more understanding because I learned to do that for myself, right? That's part of drama-free leadership. Next one, assuming best intent. This is possibly, I think, the biggest skill to learn in drama-free leadership, assuming best intent. When a person assumes best intent, they don't live from a place of victimhood, right? I spoke about this in the previous episode about one of the symptoms of drama in your center is someone who is playing the victim all the time. Well, drama-free leadership is assuming best intent. It's recognizing that when the person walked in 10 minutes late, they did not walk in 10 minutes late to piss you off. They walked in 10 minutes late because something's going on in their life. Okay. Assuming best intent is when you come into the lunchroom and you recognize the custodian didn't put out the tablecloths. You assume best intent. You assume that something happened, not that, oh, they're so lazy, right? You're non-judgmental. You stop judging people on every little thing, right? So assuming best intent is really hard because it's constantly giving people the benefit of the doubt. And there's a part of our emotional thermostat that likes to feel pissed off. It gives a, we feel something from it and we have to learn how to assume best intent. It's a skill and it's a, it's a process to learn. And we actually have a lot of training on it inside of our owner's HQ and directors in our circle program and understanding how to develop the mindset of assuming best intent. All right. Confidentiality. What is worse than when someone is a blabbermouth or gossip, right? What I spoke about in the previous episode, gossip. The opposite of gossip is confidentiality, right? It's understanding when to close your mouth and when to open your mouth. What information you share, what information you do not share. People that are drama, right? Use information as power. Ooh, I know something that you don't know. Do do do. Do you want to hear it? Confidentiality is the maturity of not sharing every single dumb thing that you heard. Lastly, is discernment. A huge component of drama-free leadership is practicing discernment. And again, if you want to learn what discernment is, 
It's part of my bridge to excellence framework, which are the six meta skills to build and sustain schools of excellence. Definitely go check out those podcasts. They are episode 93 through 99 on the Schools of Excellence podcast. So discernment is the final component of drama-free leadership. So this brings to a wrap our little series here. Next week, we're actually going to go into the final part of Decoding Your Culture. But these two episodes here were also just kind of a quick little series on drama-free leadership. I want to invite you to take a moment and think about if you are in a center right now where you're like, I have a lot of drama people. Maybe I'm a little dramatic myself. I want to build a culture that is drama-free. I want to train, mentor, and coach drama-free leaders. Maybe you're an owner is listening to this and you have multiple locations, or you have one location and you're looking at expansion or acquisition. Maybe you have two or three and you're looking to grow your centers um, and scale your company, but you're thinking about your leaders and you're like, I don't want drama-free leaders. Let me tell you something. When you're building legacy, you don't want drama in your life. Drama stops legacy. Drama stunts the growth. Drama does not allow companies to scale. Right? I always say what breaks organizations is not your financial spreadsheets or your operational infrastructure. What breaks organizations are people, 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 all day long people. And when people have drama, they will destroy your company and so and your culture. And so if you're ready for this next level, right, you're like, I'm done with drama. I want to show up. I want to create a great team. I want a team of Olympians. I want a team of champions. I want a team of people that are, are emotionally mature, that are confidential, that are competent, that are flexible, that are adaptable, that are non-judgmental, that assume best intent, that practice discernment, that are just grown-ups. I invite you to apply to our Directors Inner Circle or our Owners HQ program. 2023 is your year. Let this be your year that you begin to learn these skills. You surround yourself with the right training, coaching, and community to level up your center and build your school of excellence. Link is in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining me and we'll see you next week. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.